0: To another edition of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. I'm Craig. And it is Halloween time, we're in the middle of the month, and
1: uh, starting off with another Halloween movie That's again. That's right, uh, yeah, we uh, decided in the spirit of the season, we would give a watch to Trick or Treat.
0: Now, I saw Trick or Treat last year, or the year before around this time, during my 31 Days of Horror, where I review...
1: I think. Yeah, I think it was the year before, because I went and looked for your review, and I couldn't find it right away, so I, uh, I think it must have been a couple years ago. It
0: must have been a couple years ago, but I do remember that when I watched it, it was the highlight of my year, and I think it might have even been you
1: who recommended it to me. It wouldn't surprise me. I stumbled upon this movie. I don't remember where. I don't remember if I rented it from a video store or if it happened to maybe be on Netflix for a little while. I don't remember, but I loved it from the first viewing. I mean, this is just such a fun movie. Oh my gosh. Like, as a Halloween film? Yeah. This is the quintessential
0: Halloween film.
1: Oh, it's great. And, you know, I just love, you know, uh, well, horror in general. Uh, Halloween-themed uh, movies are always fun. It's it's great to pop them in this time of year, and and this one just delivers on pretty much every front. I mean, it's it's uh, got its darkly comedic moments. It's uh, it's got your adequate amount of gore for those who are uh, the gore hounds out there. Um, it's genuinely frightening in places, but it's not the kind of scary that you're probably going to lose sleep over it's fun I mean it's uh, I can imagine unfortunately nobody got to do this um, but I can imagine uh, you know sitting in a crowded theater with a, a lot of pumped up people who are really just in for a ride Um, So this wasn't a big movie when it came out. No, I I read a little bit about the production history and it was kind of troubled. I think uh, on IMDb it says that this is a 2007 film, but I think it was actually supposed to come out at least a year before uh, and it was scheduled for a Halloween release and I guess just without any explanation for why it got pulled from uh, its release date and, and no new release date was ever scheduled. Uh, There was, I read some speculation, uh, Brian Singer, was Brian Singer the the director here? It was the producer. Producer. He had uh, also, uh, his production team had also worked on the uh, Superman reboot that did not perform well in theaters at all, Mm. Um, and so there's some speculation that maybe they were worried about uh, this having a similar uh, reception. Also, it was initially slated to come out against uh, Saw 4 and those movies were huge Halloween draws at the time, and they may not have wanted to compete. But the sad part of the story is it just never ended up uh, getting released, and it ended up just going straight to video. And, you know, based on the quality, this is definitely, you know, a, a theater-worthy film. This isn't this is, is this isn't a low-budget uh, hack job here. No, by any
0: <clears> stretch <throat> of the imagination. I mean, it is beautifully shot. Uh-huh. Uh, it is colorful, Um, It is well-acted. Actually, a whole bunch of unknowns in here, although some people or some character actors you kind of Uh recognize, but you're not sure from where. Right. Um, And uh, widescreen. Total widescreen. It's not 16 by 9. It's anamorphic widescreen. It's gorgeous. It's beautifully shot. The transitions... Well, it's an anthology
1: story. Yeah. And I feel like... (laughs) we've talked about this before we that maybe we should do spoiler alerts um, if you haven't seen this movie i don't know if i would listen to this oh, yeah. uh, if you plan to because part of the fun of this movie is it is an anthology film kind of in the same vein as like creep show or something you know like that tales from the dark side right exactly but uh, it's a little bit atypical in the way that the stories are all woven together it's it, they're not uh, presented as kind of their own episodic Pieces—they're all interwoven—and kind of seeing how they all come together is part of the fun. Yeah, your your standard anthology movie has kind of a wraparound wraparound story, right? Mm -hmm. You got your bit at
0: the beginning, um, and then you know it kind of starts off one story after a time, and then the beginning part kind of there's an end the bookends essentially right, right. Uh, the first story um, has its conclusion after the last story it's a sort of bookend it you know if you, like tales from the dark side has right. the the kid who was trapped by the witch i mm-hmm, think in mm-hmm, uh, in the her Hansel house and Gretel type thing mhm and then there's that twist there at the end and um, but this one you're right it, the whole the stories wrap around each other
1: right? yeah um, yeah they and and you know the they work well you know on their own little individual stories but it's kind of fun to see characters from one story Pop up in another, even if it's only briefly, and and some of them are more interwoven than other others. Uh, it's it's really a neat concept. It's just you know it's it's one Halloween night. The timeline kind of jumps around, but really all of the stories are happen happening concurrently on this one night. Uh, and it's it's really cool. I mean, it's it's really well written and, and well, you know, contrived. It's like the <clears> Pulp <throat> Fiction of yeah, Halloween movies. It is kind of like that. I hadn't thought about that. Because,
0: you know, about halfway through when you realize that, oh, I'm seeing a character from another, or, oh, this happened before, part of the fun of watching it is is figuring out how they interconnect yeah. or kind of, you know, seeing it. And then towards the end, it becomes it becomes actually a part of the plot. Sure, yeah. Um, And and again, as Craig said, if you have not seen this, you really need to stop this podcast and go out. (laughs) Um, Gore level is pretty high. It's mid-level for gore. If you were to take out the goriness, though, uh-huh. this would—you could watch this with your kids almost.
1: Yeah, yeah, with yeah. But the gore that is there is 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 pretty graphic. Yeah, um, there's there's quite a lot of blood, and the content is is pretty dark in places. I That's mean, true. you've got children being brutally murdered um, <laughs> unapologetically, and you get to see some of that, and it's it's graphic detail, but. I think that the reason that you say that you know it's something you could share with your kids is because I think that it celebrates that that spirit, you know, that fun of Halloween. Um, that I, you know, Christmas is great, you know, fun times, but Halloween has always been the really exciting holiday for me, and um, it, it seems like everybody involved with this felt the same way you know it really feels like a celebration of the season and the holiday and it's they had a lot of fun with it and it, it reads perfectly
0: oh yeah and it's your um being a wraparound story of course uh being a sort of a um, anthology tale and uh starting off with sort of the comic book mm-hmm. um, it's very evocative of creep show which itself was very evocative of the ec horror comics of mm-hmm, the 50s mm-hmm. tales from the crypt and, and those sorts of things which are very high in um they have a morality of them of themselves. Usually the bad guy gets it at the end, or there is some twist in there where who you thought was the good guy is not actually the good guy, and they end up getting it in the end. And this plays with that in a lot of different ways. And that's what makes it sort of like the kind of movie that, like I say, you could kind of watch with your kids if it weren't for the gore, in that it has those those sort of folktale, fairy tale type qualities to them that those comic books had. Um, With that strong kind of moral message at the Mm -hmm. end and that this movie has in spades
1: and yeah Absolutely, it it goes in unexpected places and that's part of the fun And that's part of the reason why if you haven't seen it turn it off Uh, But uh, like for example one of the stories kind of establishes the central character as a Little Red Riding Hood figure I mean, she's she's dressed as Little Red Riding Hood
0: Danielle, I look like I'm five Shut up
1: you you look great It's tradition. Great. What does tradition say we do now? We meet our dates. And she's kind of... Built up as this vulnerable, innocent, and then when we actually get the payoff of the story, it just completely flips it on its head, uh, and uh, in in a really clever way. Do you want to dive into the stories? Talk about them a little bit. Well, what I it's hard. Because <laughs> it's of the, hard to do it because of the way that they're interwoven. Uh, it's it's hard to even know where to start because really the the first scene in the movie. Chronologically happens at the end of the night, mm-hmm. um, but that's also something that's fun about uh, the movie is because you can see the conclusion of one of the individual stories, and in that conclusion, somebody likely dies. But then they can still pop back up later on in the movie because the chronology. Uh, you know, they that we flash back to earlier in the night, and it's kind of fun. It you know to know what these people's fates are going to get, are going to be, especially since some of them you're really hoping they get it in the end. Uh, And so to get to see that and then still have them playing little parts kind of in the periphery uh, is a lot of fun. But, yeah, we I mean, we probably should at least give some uh, uh, idea of what these stories are, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of what
0: you said, especially that first story, story—the sort of the first bit of the story, actually, you know, where it starts out with the woman and uh, her husband coming home from Hall- this Halloween party. Oh, and it must be said that this town, this town of uh, Warren Valley, it's uh-huh. Warren Valley, Ohio, yeah. is the most awesome <laughs> little town in the world. Yeah. For their Halloween celebration.
1: Oh, sure. They've got this big, you know, everybody attends this big celebration in the square. The whole town, you know, is totally decked out in in, uh, Halloween decorations. Um, It's clearly a big celebration. They're even doing a a feature story on the news uh, that we get glimpses of. So, yeah, I would love to visit this town at Halloween time. And just the atmosphere is perfect. You know, you've got this uh, perfect fall evening with the leaves littered uh, along the streets and uh, a little bit of fog in places. I it's just, it couldn't be better as far as atmosphere goes.
0: Everybody's costumed up, and they're almost, like, very much traditional-style Halloween costumes, mm-hmm. you know? And, and of course... You can't really do it in the movie. You can't bring in a whole bunch of licensed characters. But it's not like you're seeing the Freddy and the Jasons and right. things like that. It's almost like the old-fashioned Halloween atmosphere where somebody's a robot and
1: somebody's a pumpkin and somebody's a a, a ghost. Right. Uh, and, got and the princesses and the Little Red Riding Hood and yeah, um, just kind of typical stuff, but uh, Home- also really fun, fun images, homemade <laughs> costumes. Mm-hmm. The girl comes comes back
0: to her house with her uh, boyfriend, and and you know she's this robot. She takes it off, and she's oh, you go inside, go upstairs. You know, and she goes in there, and she, she's one of the first victims. And, you know, when you talk about the the wraparound nature of it and sort of the waiting for the payoff, that's the closest thing we have to bookend because mm-hmm. that story, like, it's the tail end of the story that begins it. Right. And we don't really see the full version of the beginning of her tale until the very end. And what's what you're sort of left with is, especially as you realize this is one of those anthology tales with sort of the morality behind it is, what was her sin, you know? What did she do? She didn't respect the traditions of Halloween, Todd. Right. You weren't paying attention. Oh, I paid. I, so I got <laughs> No, I got it at the end. I got it at the end. But when you're first watching it, right, you right. don't know that, right. right? And at the end, of course, oh, she blew out the pumpkin. She wasn't supposed Sorry,
1: to. Oh, wait, wait. Not yet. What? You're supposed to keep it lit. Why?
0: Uh, ancient tradition?
1: Henry, it's Halloween, not Hanukkah.
0: So that happens. and Yeah,
1: and that, that's where it kicks off. And at the end, when we return to that story, like Todd said, we, we kind of return to it just a few moments before it picks up in the beginning. Um, and in those few moments, we see almost all of the main players intersect on this little patch of oh, street. Oh, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> you kind of see at the end how, from the very beginning, everything has been tied together. The other stories, you know, there's, there's like I said, the Little Red Riding Hood story where you've got these... I guess, sorority sisters, beautiful girls, all of them. The mild, meek one played by Anna Paquin of, of, uh, true blood fame. Um, and, and she's kind of the innocent where the other girls are kind of slutted up in their princess costumes. She's, you know, very modest in her, uh, red riding hood and it establishes her as the inexperienced one. And, the whole goal for the night I guess is to get her laid because she's the last virgin among them and they uh, so when we're first introduced to them they're trying to pick up guys to go to this party and you know we cut back and forth kind of between the different stories but eventually we get to the party and again I just I hate to give away too much because there you know it's a twist and it's such a fun one if you go in knowing what it is uh, I, I, I feel well, like I'd be spoiling something for you It plays
0: with that feminist trope. Yes. Oh, you know, the the, the girls, uh, it, it really takes your expectations. Oh, we've seen this story a million times. Here's the girl who's the meek one. The other girls are the sort of the trashy, slutty girls who are going to get her laid and what's going to happen here. And then it sort of flips that on its head. Uh-huh. Uh, by the end when you realize oh who's who's actually the vulnerable one here
1: exactly yeah uh-huh. so so there's that one there's another one and, and all of the stories really are, are pretty simple you know this is there are what three or four of the main stories mm-hmm. the four and, and the whole you know the whole movie only has a runtime of like 82 minutes so it's really pretty compact the stories are told pretty quickly um, another one we've got we've got a principal who uh <laughs> it has a, a very dark side um his, his
0: was very interesting i thought you know he's he, the high school principal of this town you'd never want to be your high school principal but it just seems to be the most mild-mannered meek and at the same time he's sort of doing these dastardly things uh-huh. he does them with sort of a casual aloofness like <laughs> right. like nobody's gonna spect- suspect him suspect him no he's not even really cleaning up after himself Oh no <laughs>
1: no yeah i mean there's there's Carnage that he, you know, doesn't really go out of his way to, to hide or, or anything. And
0: but one of the things he does that comes in to play later on in the show is the whole um, razor blades and the candy bit.
1: Right. You know? Uh, one of the rules of Halloween, always check your candy. Wait. That's right. There's another tradition. Very
0: important. <laughs> always check <drink> your candy. <laughs> And and that's really funny, I don't know, have you ever seen a movie that played with the whole razor, you know, that urban legend of people putting razor blades in candy?
1: I don't know if I have or not, but I remember being scared of that when I was a kid, you know, that was something that we really were concerned about, I... Who knows if that's ever really happened? It hasn't. As, it's no, never? never? Well, when you think about it, it's
0: insane. Like, how would you get, I, and it was always like the razor blades and the apples, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And how would you possibly, could you get a razor blade in an apple where nobody would notice? I mean... I, yeah. I don't
1: know, but I remember that being a genuine fear when <laughs> I was. was a kid. It um, was, and they play <laughs> with that.
0: And, and that's, that's what's neat about this movie. It's a movie, it's not just a Halloween movie, like, it's a movie about halloween
1: absolutely and that's the thing you know one of the things there's lots of stuff going on on this night you know there's uh in one of there's there's another story about a, a group of little kids that centers around an urban legend which i actually thought was one of the Strongest uh, of the stories, but during that story, you just casually hear in the background, and one of the the uh, one of the kids in the story comments on it. You hear a wolf howl, and he says, "Oh, werewolves!" And one of the other kids says, "Oh, you're stupid," or something. But of course, you know, we that does tie in later. You know, something else is going on in another part of town. It really does celebrate Halloween, and one of the things that I thought was uh, really fun that they played with was, you know, this is a night where if you wanted to get away with mayhem, you probably could. Yes. You know, th- some of these characters are doing really violent, dastardly things right out in the open. But they're surrounded by the grotesque. You know, you've got all these costumes with people with blood and, and guts and, and all this stuff. And so a lot of it just goes unnoticed. Uh, yeah, and that I blood is, never really thought of that.
0: That blood is really blood. Right. <laughs> that girl who looks like, you know, she's passed out and she's just got a bloody thing is really dead and right. she's bloody. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> and in this town, especially, you get away with that.
1: I guess so. Uh, you know, in that one you were just talking about, you said it was the strongest with the kids. Uh huh. The reason that I liked that one that focused on the group of kids was because they establish in this really cool shot this urban legend uh, about a bus driver who was paid by a group of parents to dispose of their different children. There were eight of them, and they were different trouble, disturbed. Every day parents put their dirty secrets on this bus to be driven to a school miles outside of town. These kind of odd children. And so you've got this uh, bus driver who has all of these Kids in um, masks and costumes, so you can't really see their faces. They're just in these kind of old-fashioned uh, Halloween masks. They're chained to their seats, and, and according to this legend, the bus driver was paid by the parents to dispose of them. And <clears> on <throat> Halloween. Right, and on Halloween. And I just, I mean, you're the technical guy, but I just love, you know, the for, the for the majority of the movie... It's nighttime. We're in dark. It's this you know great spooky atmospheric thing. And then when we go to this urban legends, everything's in kind of these gold sepia tones. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's, it was just kind of a really neat thing to watch. And and plus the the urban legend is kind of sad uh, in and of itself. But it really felt like a real urban legend. You know, it felt like something that you would have heard. Maybe more maybe more appropriately a suburban legend. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah. And then and then of course you know. Uh, it plays uh, on that uh, in the payoff, um, but I, I just that one for whatever reason just stood out to me as being particularly strong.
0: No, I agree with you. The tra- you know you were talking about how it goes from dark to light. The transitions in this film, and that's why I mean such a high budget, high quality, just well put together film. The transitions were awesome. You know to go from that dark night to suddenly this really bright sepia tone, We came through the window of the back of the bus, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and then lit up on this this really bright street. Um, interesting that the whole movie takes place at night and the flashback is bright mm-hmm. and and uh, and almost devoid of color really mm-hmm. w- which is it's it's again, it's kind of a flip. you know, usually your flashbacks uh, well, I don't know, sometimes they can be black and white or something like that, but um, it's it's the horrible things that are happening that happens in such a colorful world right. And then when you go to sort of the reality of what was supposed to have happened in this in this past time. You get this very uh, washed-out sepia kind of uh, look to it. That's bright, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's devoid of that color, colorful.
1: Yeah, know, and it concept. just it stands in really stark contrast. You know, when we come back, we've got this group of kids, and and so the premise is that they are they go out to the site where this you know urban legend supposedly took place, and in the legend, of course, these these kids died, and so what they're doing is they're setting out uh, jack o' lanterns uh, uh, in honor of of the dead and. Eight victims, eight jack-o'-lanterns. Each one representing a lost soul. So, we're going to leave them by the side of the lake as an offering to those who died. And again, there are you know twists and surprises. It's not exactly what you expect, but the contrast between um, the lightness when they're doing the flashback or the urban legend or whatever, in the next shot um, or the next scene, there's just kind of a really. I mean, it's not really long, but for a shot of a girl's feet just walking along the ground, it seems kind of long. But I was just like, man this is such a cool shot you know you got this this girl is dressed in a witch's costume so she's got witch boots on and the witch dress and it's just her feet walking along the ground with the leaves rustling and the the fog just kind of barely lingering and it's just one shot it's not even really pivotal to the plot in any way um, but just those little details just had me giddy throughout it takes <clears throat> a lot of care
0: a mm-hmm. lot of care went into making this film and Another thing that that uh, kind of st- jumped out at me is the transformation scene. So there's a transformation um, in one of the stories. And it was, uh, well, it's like a werewolf. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen a werewolf transformation quite like that before.
1: Yeah, uh, very... I don't know if "unique" is the right word because it it, it pulled from. I mean, there's obviously inspiration from others. You know, uh, American Werewolf uh, in London, of course, in, in the epitome, kind of the master, right? Still, and and you kind of, you know, you kind of see some of that. But you're right. It. it has its own uniqueness to it, too, that makes it a lot of fun. And and it's it's gross and, and scary at the same time. Yeah, I thought it was excellent. The uh, effects for that, I read, were done by the same special effects company that did the Lycan effects for the Underworld series. Oh, really? Uh, which I've only seen the first entry. But, um, yeah, so they had some experience in, in that area. Well,
0: that know? whole scene, you know, kind of was a bit of a throwback uh, for me to Blade. And it was a bit of a throwback for me to from dust till dawn.
1: Yeah, it definitely. had sort of those two elements in there. I'm glad you said throwbacks, because that was something else that I was noticing. There were nice little nods to other horror movies. Uh, you can tell that the filmmakers were horror fans because they gave us these little uh, tips of the hat. Did you catch any of those? I caught um, Pet Cemetery. Uh-huh. Yeah. when it's a great Pet Cemetery one at the end. Uh-huh, out from under the bed. Uh-huh.
0: uh-huh. I'm trying to think of others. You must have caught some of them. I did.
1: Uh, I was so excited. There's an alley chase scene that uh, reminded me a lot of the excellent alley chase scene in I know what you did last summer with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. very reminiscent. I liked that a lot. Um, at there's a bonfire party mm-hmm. in, in the werewolf scene and uh, if you listen carefully the song playing in the background is cry little sister the, the theme song from uh, the lost boys right oh yeah <clears throat> yeah which is an, a, a big time favorite from my childhood you said the pet cemetery one there's a severed zombie hand little uh, oh, Evil yes. dead nod there in the very beginning in, in the opening scene there's uh, an ominous figure in a white mask standing across the street staring ominously very reminiscent of Michael myers it's just these little knots and i'm sure i missed uh, others uh, there was another anna- popping up all over the place
0: there was another musical one um at some point i'm trying to remember where it was the sweet dreams um, right uh, made of this were, were was playing in the background it was a it was like yet a third remake of it uh-huh. uh it wasn't the original the fast tempo it wasn't the slow one the Marilyn manson one that was in scream but it was uh it was almost a third one huh. i'm, I'm kind of curious to look that one yeah. up. yeah
1: but it was fun. I mean, as a, as a fan of horror, and if you are a fan of horror, why would you be listening to this if you're not? But if you are, again, it's it's just those little payoffs, uh, the little details that really show that you know these folks were making a movie for fans. Oh yeah. Uh, and, oh, and the beginning,
0: uh, just the um the way that the credit sequence went, it was a total takeoff of a creep show. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. credit sequence there, where they kind of had the comic books in there.
1: Yeah, and it previews all of the stories, introduces you to the main characters. It's 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 pretty to look at i mean it's 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 good stuff just great did we cover all the stories we had um the little red riding hood we had the principal we had the urban legend one. Oh, and then there's uh kind of the final story deals with this old grumpy guy on on the street who you know hates halloween and hates kids and uh, his house is the only one on the street that's not uh, lit up and then he you know kind of pays the price for, uh, again, I guess not honoring Halloween. But also, he's tied into another story in a way that you probably don't see coming until kind of a little bit later on. So you find out that he's actually paying for other sins uh, as well. And shown Mm -hmm. a
0: little bit of mercy Uh in this, uh, interestingly enough. And that was what made that story unique. And I like that. I like that even in this anthology, not only are you shaking it up a little bit by weaving them together and, and... and doing that and finding little ways to twist and take on other things, you're also getting a tale that ends with sort of a happy ending, in a sense, in a way that he's sort of shown the error of his ways. He's given a sort of penance um, for his earlier sins. And that also is so reminiscent of the EC comics, you know, yeah. the 50s. They, they would occasionally have those stories where it was less about killing somebody who killed somebody else and more about, um, in a very sinister way, uh, sort of reforming a person, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. And he certainly gets reformed by the end of it.
1: Right. And, and then still kind of gets his comeuppance anyway. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Now,
0: now, one part that I didn't quite catch, and maybe you can explain this to me, is um, his house was the one that the girl dressed as a witch, Rhonda,
1: from the other one, actually is coming from. Is it? I, now, I remember when um, they pick Rhonda up, and this is in the Urban Legend story, the girl that these kids are, are, are playing a trick on is... Uh, they, they refer to her as an idiot savant. I don't know. Uh, she just seems a little different. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that was totally unfair, uh, by the way. Right. Yeah. But she you, you, she comes out of this house when we first meet her, and this house is completely you know decked out in uh, tons and tons of uh, jack-o'-lanterns. And then at the end of the film, uh, the old guy, his house is completely devoid of any kind of decorations, but then he hears a knock at the door, and it's those darn kids, and he goes to the door, and somehow seemingly miraculously all of a sudden his lawn is is completely decked out were they the same house i thought it was maybe they were i thought that was part of the of the deal maybe they were if they i don't know if they were though how would
0: she have ended up there but it was too it's, me. it's too fine of a point though to uh to be similar between the two
1: yeah you know? i don't know i mean she kind of ends up being the hero i guess of of her story and uh the heroes in this movie are are certainly kind of you know dark anti-heroes so maybe uh uh, maybe there's more going on with her than i originally thought
0: well it's interesting because i wondered if she wasn't associated with the old man in some way shape or form just because her story and his story you know have that that crossover Mm -hmm. point
1: yeah they do maybe well, shoot, maybe we'll have to watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) That wouldn't be a bad thing. No. Uh, The other thing, I mean, it's just, it's a a clever movie. It's so much fun. If you can get your hands on it for Halloween and you really want to get in the spirit, I would recommend this to anybody who was looking for, you know, a a Halloween movie. It just just doesn't get much, much better. And it's, there are just so many little, it's funny, there are clever little one-liners. I don't even know what that was. Coach Taylor was in a hot dog costume, but... A pig, I think. And then it- That's just not. I mean, you don't get <laughs> lines like that very often. Um, and, and just little. Just little jokes that they lob at you every once in a while that don't come across as corny. It's funny. It plays well. It's, it fits with the tone of the movie.
0: And, you know, That's it, funny you bring up that because that came in a scene where uh, the kids are trick-or-treating and they go to what's a very adult Halloween, uh, mm-hmm. Halloween party going on. It's neat how the movie does sort of honor the spirit of the holiday. It touches on almost every little Halloween sort of tradition that you can think of. The jack-o'-lanterns, uh, the street parties, uh, the costume kind of masquerade mm-hmm. kind of aspect, so the bonfire party out yeah. at night, the mm-hmm. trick-or-treating, everything. I mean, all you're missing is bobbing for apples. Uh-huh. And and really, who does that anymore, right? <laughs> so you pretty much got it all in there. And that's what makes this movie so much fun. And, I mean, this is the time of year to watch it. Absolutely. You know? Now, Absolutely. they've been threatening to make a sequel to this for some time now. And, and
1: I so hope they do. You know, if they can maintain the spirit uh, and tone of this one, I w- I'd watch... You know, a whole series of these things. I mean, it's it was so well crafted. But they've, you know, they've been talking about doing it for years. Um, but everybody involved is still saying it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We don't know when, but it is going to happen. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I don't think we can not talk about. Um, one of the other pieces of connective tissue throughout the whole movie is, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, uh, Sam Hame. S- One, S- one character in the, in the film pronounced it once and it sounded like she said, Samhain. Samhain. Yeah. But there's this, this character, this, uh kind of mysterious character, seemingly a child, the size of a child, but in this really, really old-fashioned, I mean, we're not talking like 50s and 60s, we're talking like Depression-era Halloween costume, which, by the way, I'm sure you've seen those pictures of the Depression-era Halloween costumes, they're, they're pretty terrifying. They're pretty creepy, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's in this kind of weird, old-fashioned, he's dirty, he's scruffy, and he just pops up everywhere. He pops up in every single story, he's silent, he's just kind of this looming presence, he even pops up in the uh, uh, the urban legend story, which supposedly was supposed to have t- taken place decades ago. Yes. Um, and then he plays more of a central role uh, in in one of the final scenes. But this spooky little guy, and he's kind of become an icon in his own right you know when you see i you know i look at a lot of horror websites and things and a lot of people put up their artwork and um he is now kind of appearing in all of those collages with all the other great movie monsters and villains and just a spooky uh uh, little element to the to the story but Kind of central. I mean, I, I I guess that he's supposed to be representative of kind of the spirit of the holiday. I think that's what, exactly what they're going
0: for, especially because he you know showed up in that in that flashback, right? Where it's Halloween, they're driving by and he's kind of out in the field stabbing a bat or something, <laughs> but but silent and quiet and and has that sort of uh, guardian aspect, like. I'm just watching you from uh-huh. afar. I'm making sure that you're following the rules. Yeah, and if you don't follow the rules, uh, maybe I myself am going to come after. Right,
1: him. and and you do get the sense that he's definitely taking sides in these uh, stories. You know, uh, uh, you you find in the in the final act that he really can pose a, a threat in and of himself, but. The characters who behave accordingly, I guess, he just leaves them alone. Yeah, you know, it's almost like he kind of gives them a little, a little nod, a little nod uh, to pass mm-hmm. and walks right by. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting. And, and uh, Fearnet, I guess, which I don't get, does a twenty-four hour marathon of this every Halloween. And they do little spots, advertisement spots, with uh, Sam, the little character. If you haven't seen them, you should take a look. There's oh, some pretty sure. cute ones. Uh, in, in fact, the, the whole movie is based on a short called Season's Greetings, and, and the short uh, introduces the, this, this character, the character of Sam. Uh, it's a little animated short. It's it's really brief. It's cute. I just watched it for the first time today. They were initially planning on calling the film Season's Greetings, which is what the original short was called, uh, but they were worried that it sounded too crazy. Christmassy. Uh, uh, so they went through They went through some other stuff and, and landed on Trick or Treat.
0: Is that available online? Somewhere? Yeah, it's on YouTube. Oh, it's great. On YouTube. You we'll put a link to that. We'll put a
1: link to that yeah. on our website. Yeah, it's fun.
0: Yeah. Well, once again, thank you so much, Craig, for uh, for recommending just a fantastic Halloween movie. <laughs> We're going to be on here again for two more weeks. We're reviewing a couple more Halloween movies. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. If you are interested in reading a few more uh, movie reviews, I have my 31 Days of Horror going on at toddkuns.com, t o d d k u h n s.com. We're watching one horror movie, one horror movie a day, and writing a review about it. And we will be back to you next week with two guys and a chainsaw. This is Todd and Craig. And seasons greeting. Thanks. Thank